Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast of the Sunday morning sermons of the Bullard Church of Christ in Bullard, Texas. We hope you'll be blessed, challenged, and encouraged by today's lesson. It's wonderful to come together and see each other, encourage each other, and worship God together. And we're so very thankful for the blessing to be here again this morning. We're so very glad to see our members here who are faithful servants and uh, who give such strength to the work of the church here. And we're so very thankful for those of you visiting with us. You're special to us and uh, you mean a lot to us. You're always welcome here and we hope that you are blessed by your time with us. Do you remember when you were in school and how important relationships were to your, your daily life in school, who you were in class with, who you were friends with, who you talked to and hung out with between classes on the way to your next class, who you sat with at lunch. Do you remember that? Remember how important relationships were to you when you were in school? Some of you are like, yeah, I'm living that now. I know what that's like. I feel it every day. And now it's only more complicated because of texting and social media. These relationships can get, uh, they cause stress and distress and they cause joy in our life. They're important to uh, teenagers, to young people. But I think if we're honest, we can say just because we've grown up doesn't mean relationships are any less important to us. Probably, hopefully, we've matured in some way in in how we have relationships and our understanding of relationships, how we interact with others. But, But relationships are still important to adults. Adults want friends. Adults have to navigate uh, uh, life with other people on the job, in church, and in other settings. So relationships are really important to all of us in different ways. And they contribute a lot to who we are, to our identity. In fact, you could say our identity is largely wrapped up in our relationships with others. It has something to do with who your family is and who your closest friends are, your associations are. Relationships have a lot to say about who you are as a person. When a person becomes a Christian, though, they enter into a special relationship with Jesus. Something different than your relationships with friends and family and and people you date and marry. It's a different kind of relationship. And Jesus says when you enter a relationship into Him, with Him, you are added to His church. And the Bible calls His church, one thing it calls His church is the bride of Christ. And that's what we're talking about this morning. You are His bride. You are the bride of Christ, we learn about Christians from Scripture. You see, Jesus chose to use the highest expression of commitment in human relationships to communicate about His relationship with His church. He takes this uh, special a relationship of marriage that we understand, that we know, we, we get the commitment there. And he uses that to say, that's what it's like with me and you when you become a Christian. That's my commitment, my relationship to my church, my bride. 
And that should speak volumes to us. That should be a wonderful thing that we hear that Jesus sees us in such a special way. You see, your identity then, when you become a Christian, is wrapped up in His relationship and His commitment to you because you are His bride. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 25 through 32. We usually go here to talk about marriage, don't we? We go here to uh, make some points about marriage, and rightly so. It's a wonderful passage, uh, a primary text about the marriage relationship according to God. But what we want to do this morning is look and see what Paul has to say here, what God's Word has to say here about the bride of Christ. So we want to pick those out and see what Paul uh, tells us. Let's read this and then make some comments. Paul writes, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves, loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as, as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The mystery, this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So let's think about what do we learn about the bride of Christ from this passage? Let's just go through the list here. I'll comment about some of them. The first thing we see is that Jesus loves her. Jesus loves His bride just as a husband is supposed to love His bride. Jesus gave Himself for her. He gave Himself on the cross. He gave Himself fully for her. That's what we learn about the bride of Christ. We also learn in verse 26 that Jesus sanctifies her. Now that one is a little uh, unfamiliar maybe to us. What does that mean? It means that Jesus makes her holy, makes His bride holy. He purifies her. He sets her apart for God. She's different. He's not, he's, he's not with others. Jesus has His bride, one bride, and He sets her apart. Now, forgiveness happens, this setting apart happens, this, this uh, purifying, this sanctifying happens through forgiveness by the cleansing of her sins through the water and the Word. That's how He does it, through cleansing and through the water and the Word. And He does it when forgiveness takes place. And when that takes place in a person, it's when they hear the Gospel and they believe the Gospel message and they obey the message. They respond in the way the New Testament teaches and they're uh, repenting of their sins and united with Christ in baptism. 
We see that in Acts chapter 2. We see it in Acts chapter 22 about sins washing away, cleansing, baptism washing away sins and cleansing us. And that's how Jesus adds us to His church, to His bride, and we're now cleansed. And so when a person is baptized into Christ, they're sanctified, they're made clean from their sins. They're taken out of the world. They're no longer just one among many. They're taken out of the world and added to the church, which is His bride. And the next thing, the fourth thing that we see, is that Jesus presents her to Himself. That's an interesting way of saying that. What does He mean when He says that? It means that He's referring to the future time when Jesus will return and He will come for His bride and He will take His bride to be with Him forever in heaven. He will take His bride and His bride will be presented to Him and He will come get His bride and see her and take her to be with Him forever in heaven. We'll talk more about that in a moment. See, Jesus initially came down to save all people who would turn to Him in faith, who would surrender to Him, who would obey His message of the gospel of salvation. And then He's going to return again. He said, I'm going to come back for you. I'm going to return and get my bride, and you're going to come live with me forever. You see, in the first century among Jewish people, uh, there was a betrothal period. They all understood it. It was a part of their culture, part of their way of life. In this betrothal period, we, the, the gospel writers talk about it in, in the birth of Jesus. When Mary becomes pregnant with Jesus, that's a part of the gospel's uh, letters. And so the bride and the groom would be contractually uh, uh, connected. They were bound together by this uh, contract. They were considered husband and wife legally and religiously. And yet they weren't fully married yet. They didn't live together yet. And they weren't together sexually yet. Yet they were still bound together and seen together as one. Although it wasn't fully complete. And, and, and that's what this relationship is like now. Jesus said, you're my bride now, but I'm coming back and we're going to finish the marriage ceremony. There will be a ceremony and feast when I come back to get my bride And she'll be with me forever. The fifth thing is that Jesus makes her holy and without blemish. And He does that through cleansing her through the water and the Word. Number six is we see that Jesus nourishes and cherishes His bride. He cares for her. He looks after her. He cares about His church. And then finally we see that she leaves all for Him. In other words, we as individual Christians, we leave all others behind. We leave the world behind and we are faithful and devoted and dedicated to the groom, to Christ our Savior. We forsake all others and we live united with Christ. Now in the Old Testament, God used marriage as an illustration between uh, Him 
and, his, and the Israelites. God used the marriage illustration, the marriage relationship, to say something about His relationship with His people, the Israelites. So in the Old Testament, Old Covenant days, that's the way God communicated about His relationship with His people. In the New Testament, we see that it's now Jesus and His church. There's a difference there when the Savior came. Do you know the story of Hosea, the prophet? His name means salvation. It's a small book in the Old Testament. But let's look at chapter 1 and verses 1 through 3. We read that God told Hosea to go and marry a woman who was very promiscuous. And some translations even call her a prostitute. God tells his prophet, you go find a woman like that and you marry her. He didn't say you change her. He didn't say, he said you go find her and marry her. And that sounds awful. Why would God do such a thing? Why would God ask that kind of sacrifice of someone. Why would God want to put anyone He loves through that kind of experience? And it's because the Israelites had been extremely unfaithful. They had been, they had been unfaithful. They had been adulterous in their relationship with God. His bride, the Israelites, had been unfaithful to Him. And God was teaching the biggest object lesson of all through His prophet Hosea. And he says, go and marry a promiscuous woman. Now, because Israel had been chasing other lovers, so to speak. They had been worshiping other gods. They had turned their back on God, whom they belonged to. And they were following and worshiping and loving others in the world. False gods, little g gods. And God said, I've got to teach them a lesson. I want them back. I want to turn their hearts back to me. So he works through his prophet Hosea. And Hosea finds and marries a woman named Gomer. And he marries her, and as was expected, she is unfaithful to him. She doesn't stay with him. She's unfaithful. She continues to live the life that she had been living. Nothing had changed in her life, even though she was married to Hosea. Everyone in town knew what Gomer did. Everyone in town knew who she was and how she lived. Can you imagine Hosea going into town and making eye contact with other men and wondering, have you been with my wife? Do you know my wife? Has she been with you? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine every day wondering where she was? Can you imagine? They had children. And every night, Hosea putting his children to bed, wondering where their mother was and if she would ever come home. Can you imagine the shame that he felt? The, the absolute humiliation he felt. Everyone knew he was married to her and how she was living unfaithful to him and he had the children at home. How he must have felt, we can't even really imagine 
why God would do this. Why God would want him to feel so abandoned, so abused, so rejected, so shamed and humiliated. But then look in Hosea chapter 3 and verse number 1. God comes to Hosea after a time and he says, Go show your love to your wife again. Though she's loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her, listen to this, as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Now that sounds funny to us, but to them they understood that was special food used in idol worship. They, they loved the food, that they, the things they got to partake in as they worshiped these false gods. And, and God is saying, I want you to go love her like I love my bride. Even though they love the things that attract them to the worship of other gods. God tells Hosea, go get your wife. Go find her. And take her back. And notice, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. The reason God had Hosea go through all of this was to teach a lesson to His people to turn their hearts back to Him. And so using this most significant relationship of a husband and wife, God shows the kind of love that He has for His people. But in verse 2 of Hosea 3, notice this. Hosea not only goes and pursues Gomer, but he has to buy her back out of slavery. When he finds her, he finds that her promiscuous life, her sinful life, has uh, caused her to be uh, destitute, desperate, and she has sold herself into slavery. I don't know exactly what kind of slavery that would have been, but Hosea finds her at the slave auction and he has to buy his wife back. That's his wife. He has no idea what all she's done, what's been done to her. And yet he goes to get her. In fact, the Bible tells us he didn't even have enough money to buy her back. But he had to give all the money he had and all the barley he had, everything he had, to just get her out of slavery and back with him. And then in verse 3, he's told by God, take uh, her back with you and tell her to never leave him, never leave you again. Do you see God's message in the story of Hosea and Gomer? God's love for us is like Hosea's love for his wife. We're the ones... We're the ones who've been unfaithful. We're the ones who've been rebellious. We're the ones who've been out there living a promiscuous life, sinful in every way. And yet God says, I love my people and I want them. I want all people to turn to me. And that's the love that Jesus has for His church. But it was, it was Jesus who was humiliated. It was Jesus who was abandoned. It was Jesus who was shamed. It was Jesus who paid the ultimate price in giving it all. The price of His blood, His body on that cross. To buy back the wife to buy back his people so his bride could be with him. Do you see that? Isn't that a wonderful story 
of love. That's the gospel message. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's the message that Jesus has for His bride today. He loves us so much that He gave His own life, shed His own blood so that He could clean us up when we're united with Him in baptism. Fix us up and present Him to present us to Himself. This wife without blemish, holy, pure, and clean. All cleaned up. And then He calls us, as God told Hosea to tell his wife, He calls us, forsake all others. Quit running around with them out there in the world. Quit doing the things of the world. Quit running out there doing all that. Live with me. Be faithful to me. Stay in a relationship with me. And then when Jesus returns, the Bible tells us that the marriage between his, him and His bride will be completed. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 19. In Revelation 19, John is being shown a vision uh, of the future, of how things will be. And he's being shown a vision of and seeing all of heaven praising and worshiping God. It's, it's an incredible description of what this moment was like. They're worshiping and praising God for the final victory. They've made it. The victory has been won, the final victory, and they're in heaven. And they're worshiping God for the victory over sin and death in this life. Look at verse 9. We read that John is told, an angel tells him to write down these words, Blessed are those who are invited... To the what? The marriage supper of the Lamb. Do you see that? You see the betrothal period between Jesus and His church is over. And now He has returned to get His bride. And now there is a feast and a celebration in heaven because now the marriage ceremony is complete and Jesus' bride is with Him at home forever. Do you remember in John's Gospel, we read this not long ago, where he quoted Jesus as saying, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. That's exactly what John is seeing happen in this moment in Revelation 19, what he remembers Jesus saying back there in John 14. And this is it happening. Jesus has come to get His bride. He presents her to Himself, takes her to be with Himself in heaven forever. And Look at this final picture of the bride of Christ. In Revelation twenty-two seventeen, the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. What do we see happening there? We see that the Holy Spirit and the church, the bride of Christ, are calling out to everyone, to whosoever will. 
Come be a part of this. You don't want to miss this. You gotta get here. You gotta be a part of the bride of Christ. And that's what God and Jesus have called us to do today in this meantime. This is our mission. This is the great commission as Jesus finished. Uh, his time with the disciples in Matthew 28 and Mark 16. This is what He told them to do. He said, the Holy Spirit and the bride need to go call out to everybody and say, come, be a part of the bride. We're supposed to be sharing our faith. We want everybody to be in the bride of Christ, the Lord's body, His church. That's our mission. That's who we are And what we do, when we see how glorious it is, when we see the salvation that we have in Jesus, we want others to know that salvation. And you think, I'm looking for something to do in the church. I'm wondering what I'm supposed to be about. We just learned in the Bible what we're supposed to be about. And it's bringing others to find their place in the bride of Christ, His church. That's who we are and what we do. We're coming up on a new year. We've got to reach more folks and bring them into the Lord's church. People who are looking, those who are thirsty. Paul, uh, uh, John writes, the call is for those who are thirsty. There are people thirsting to find that salvation. Just like those recent those who've recently been baptized. They were thirsting for that living water. They wanted to know Jesus and they were looking for some people who would just help them make sense of this. Tell me what to do. Show me in Scripture. And that's who we are as we take them to the Bible. And we tell them the story of Jesus. And we show them in Scripture. And we bring them to Christ. And then we love on them. We help them grow strong. We we assimilate them into the body and the bride so they can be with God forever one day. We offer that invitation to everyone, and we offer that invitation today. Maybe there's someone here this morning, and they've never become a part of the bride of Christ. And you say, I, I, I want to be in that wedding. I want to be there on that day that John saw in heaven. I want to be among that group. We want to invite you to respond to the call of the Holy Spirit and the church and become a Christian. Maybe you need to start studying. Maybe you need prayer. And, and as you start learning about what it means to be a Christian, we want to study with you. And maybe you say, you know what? I've kind of been like Gomer. I've kind of been out there doing my thing. I hadn't been real faithful to my husband, Jesus. And I want to come home, and I want to stay with him. And you want our prayers. We want you to know we're here for you. If we can serve you this morning, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing. We thank you again for listening today. If we can answer any questions for you or serve you in some way, please reach out to us. You can find our contact information and more on our website at bullardchurchofchrist.com. If this lesson has helped you, please rate our podcast and share it so more people can hear the Word of God. And please, come visit as soon as you can. We meet on Sundays for class at 9 a.m., worship at 10 a.m., evening worship at 5, and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. God bless you.